Hello, and welcome to the County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jeremy Lasich. On this edition of the Conversation, we'll talk with Deborah Crabtree with the Fairfax County Health Department Environmental Health Program about summer food safety. Deborah, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, so first, just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background and how long you've been with the county. I've been with the county about eight years um, as an environmental health specialist working in the consumer protection program. And uh, the program works in food safety and tourist establishments and um, pools and um, some massage um, parlors, but mostly I function in the food safety realm. Okay. Well, this is a uh, perfect timing. We just uh, finished July 4th here in the county, so yeah. we're into officially into summer summer grilling and uh, and uh, food safety is often a uh, uh, popular topic, especially uh, as we get into some of these power outages and summer heat uh, issues. Uh, so maybe just in general, start telling us what should people be thinking about as we enter these summer months and uh, as, they, as they get ready to prepare their food and things like that. Um, temperatures. So it's hot outside, and um, that's perfect temperature for bacteria or um, germs to grow in food. And so it's very people should be very cognizant of the temperatures of their food. They should remain cold, okay. which cold to uh, foods, uh, food safety is 41 or below. Uh, Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit, okay. yeah. Uh-huh. And or it should remain hot, so you should cook it to the proper temperature and then keep it at 135 degrees okay. Fahrenheit or above. <laughs> okay, uh, so people should probably invest in a thermometer if they don't already have Absolutely. one. Absolutely, okay. that's the only way to accurately tell the temperature um, okay. of, a, of a food item. There's no way to look at the food item and say, it's done, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the juices are running clear. That, that is not a um, accurate portrayal of really the temperature. Okay. And is that primarily meats or when your things are putting on the grill or does that go for everything? Or how No, it goes for just meats. Okay. Um, so poultry, mm-hmm. you want to cook to 165 degrees. Um, hamburgers to 155 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. And um, steaks to 145 degrees. Okay. So those are, and anything, any vegetables you can cook to any temperature as long as you're going to eat them immediately, it doesn't, doesn't matter. If you're going to hot hold them, if you're going to, let's say you're making baked beans and they're going to sit out for a picnic, you mm-hmm. should cook them to 135 degrees and then keep it at 135 degrees. Great. And I was looking on the uh, Fairfax County website, and one of the things uh, that your area promotes is uh, four steps to food safety in the home, and there's four different steps, which are clean, separate, cook, and chill. So maybe you could talk a little about little bit about each one of those steps and, and what that entails. Okay, so clean. You want to make sure you have clean surfaces when you're working with your food. So make sure your cutting boards are clean. Um, if you use a cutting board to, let's say, make hamburger patties, mm-hmm. you're not going to um, slice your tomatoes on them afterwards if you don't wash the cutting board thoroughly. Right. or and the knife they used, or um, and your hands. <laughs> so um, wash your hands is a very popular health department yes. message. That no matter what you're doing, you yes, have to keep is, germs that's out. Yes. Absolutely true. Um, and then you're going to uh, 
going to separate. Um, you're going to, even when you're at the grocery store, you don't want to have your raw hamburger, which could be dripping blood, onto your um, tomatoes or your carrots or th something like that. So you don't, you want to separate these foods out, starting at the grocery store all the way to the home. Okay. And mm -hmm. then you're going to cook the food to the proper temperature. Remember with the thermometer, mm -hmm. so you know that it's the proper temperature. Um, and then you chill. You should you shouldn't leave the food out for longer than two hours. Okay. So if you live, let's say, um, outside the county and you go to the grocery store, uh, you know, an hour away, um, I would take a cooler and ice and pack all your perishable foods in the cooler for the drive home. Okay. And that's true of let's say you go on a picnic. Mm -hmm. um, and you pack all the food in a cooler, you want to pack it with ice, and you want to put it in the car with the air conditioning. In the trunk, that's over 90 degrees. So you want to keep the food cold the whole time. That's, uh, that's a very good reminder. I know some of these cookouts I go to, they start at uh, lunchtime and then around dinner time, and the food yeah. is just kind of out all day where people graze for five or six hours with deviled eggs or yeah. uh, things like that. So you're saying that's probably not the not that, the best idea. No, huh? that's not the best <laughs> idea. And people um, think, oh my gosh, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is a huge, is, you know, it's not the mayonnaise that's harmful. Um, it, mayonnaise is, it, unless it's homemade with raw eggs, mayonnaise from the, from the grocery store is shelf stable. It's, okay. it's, um, it won't hurt you. Um, it is the macaroni that you, the cooked pasta that's potentially hazardous or the potatoes that are cooked that are potentially hazardous in the potato salad or macaroni salad that will cause foodborne illness. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about foodborne illnesses and uh, kind of what causes that and what people should be looking out for if they don't feel well after a meal. Is it just being too full or is, there, <laughs> is this really a foodborne illness? Right. You know, um, depending on if it is an illness or what, what the illness is, um, you can have symptoms fairly rapidly or something or days down the road, depending on what the organism is. Um, but if you have vomiting, diarrhea, um, you're going to get going to suspect foodborne illness. Um, and it, Certainly, if there's other people in your party or gathering that have these same symptoms, mm -hmm. that you can you can likely suspect a foodborne illness. Okay, I often hear the term term food poisoning. Uh, uh -huh. Is that just a general catch-all term, or are there different illnesses that are? It, it's just there's it, just a different term. Okay. Terminology. Okay, and so are there. Uh, so if I got if somebody called in sick to work and said I have. Uh, food poisoning. It's mm -hmm. just kind of all the same thing. Yeah, it's all okay. the same thing. Yeah. And it's usually not too bad. It's usually like a 24 or 48 hour thing or could it be worse? Well, it, it, depending on depending on what um, what the person has, it can be worse. Okay. Yeah. Um, some people can end up in the hospital depending on their um, depending on their immune system, if they have any other complications or age um, and the such, they can you can actually end up in the hospital. Okay. And what about E. coli? Is that a E. coli is, illness? yes, that okay. is a foodborne illness. Um, and that actually has um, shown that it can kill people. 
uh, especially the, the young and the elderly or the immunocompromised. Um, and so that is very serious um, bacteria that, you know, you can, uh, hamburgers, Mm-hmm. That's why you should cook your hamburgers fully to 155 degrees Fahrenheit because okay. you want to eliminate the um, E. coli. Got it. Okay. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit from maybe thinking about food in the home mm-hmm. to going out to a restaurant and what okay. you should be looking for uh, when you go to a restaurant and you pick a restaurant. I know, you know, I just go and don't even think anything about it and uh, hopefully I don't get sick, but are there things people should be thinking about as they go out to restaurants in terms of picking what's well, safe? Well, you know, um, all of, all of the restaurant inspection reports are on the Fairfax County website. Okay. So if you go to the website, you just put I just put in the search bar in the corner, restaurant inspections, and it'll br- bring you right to the, the uh, restaurant inspections. And actually, all of the inspections for the state of Virginia, you can find on there. Oh, okay. And... Um, any restaurant, you can this alphabetical. You look at it that way, and you can see the inspection reports before you go out. If you want to <laughs> um, notify yourself or be knowledgeable before you go, or decide if you want to go. Um, but besides that, when you're there, I mean, there should be no bare hand contact. So, if um, if a server is bringing you bread. They shouldn't handle the bread with their bare hands, um, or um, they shouldn't handle your food, put your hamburger on your uh, plate with their bare hands. Okay. They should be having gloves on or some kind of barrier, maybe a piece of a napkin or something like that to put it on there. Makes sense. And you mentioned uh, the reports can be accessed online, and that's mm-hmm. uh, www.fairfaxcounty.gov HD, which stands for the Health, Health Department. Department. Yeah. Um, walk us through what those inspections entail for the people who, for the health department who goes out and does the inspections. What exactly are they looking for? How often are they doing those inspections? Um, you mentioned reports are posted online. Is that an annual thing or how does that work? Um, for most establishments, we go twice a year. Okay. Um, for the low risk, like, uh, Subway or Starbucks, we only go once a year, but for most establishments, we go twice a year. And um, we, we do what's called a risk factor assessment and um, look at the risks um, associated with foodborne illness. And for the routine inspections, we, look at, we also look at the risks, but we look at, we call them GRPs, good retail practices, which is floors, walls, and ceilings. Okay. The cleanliness um, of the facility and um, and we're looking for the risk factors. Are you know, is there bare hand contact? Is there um, are the employees healthy as far as um, as far as food like illnesses? The, they have illnesses. Are they coming to work with illnesses? Are they um, having approved sources for their food? Mm-hmm. You know, are they going to going to approved suppliers? Or are they stopping on the side of the road and picking the food up? Right. So um, and. Those are the kind of things we look at. Are the cook temperatures correct? Are the refrigerators holding the correct temperature? Um, are they using clean and sanitized food contact surfaces and things like that? Okay. And as a consumer, when I'm looking at these inspection reports, is there a, you know, if there's two violations, are they categorized by major, minor, or are they? Yeah. They're, um, I think they're located, they're, 
Oh gosh, did it say is it, is it critical and non-critical? So your your critical items will be um, on the top, and the non-criticals will be on the bottom, and they'll they'll be segregated out. Okay. And some of them will be corrected during the inspection. So oh, okay. there was a violation noted, and it was immediately corrected. So it was taken care of before the inspector even left. Right. And how often do you, sh say, shut down a restaurant or say you can't serve food, you know, you're shut down immediately until further notice, or is that pretty uncommon? That's that's fairly uncommon. Um, usually we uh, get the restaurant to self-close themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and having to shut down a restaurant hasn't happened in an extended period of time. Well, that's a good thing for the residents of Fairfax County that, yes. <laughs> that we have restaurants that have uh, have been inspected on a regular basis and yeah, uh, everything's inspected annually. So sounds good. Uh, what about food recalls and alerts? Moving away from a little bit from the restaurants, but mm -hmm. uh, I know that's sometimes a topic of uh, you know hot dogs being recalled or just some product on the shelf being recalled in a store. Uh, how often does that happen? What is the county's process versus a, is that a state function or an FDA function? Well, that's FDA function. Okay. Um, I guess it depends on the product. Um, it's either FDA or USDA, depending okay. on what, is it a raw meat or is it an egg or is it um, a, a canned or a packaged um, food item. So it depends on what it is. Um, they have multiple recalls probably in a week. Okay. But it's mostly for labeling. Hmm. So they haven't, uh, a, a um, company has not labeled the items correctly. So they have to have allergens in there and things like that. So they might have undeclared allergens or um, something like that. Um, but we, as a health department, I think pick up um, if there's a food safety um, recall or as we get notified as um, inspectors through the state if there is a recall that we're supposed to go to different restaurants and make sure they're not selling an item mm -hmm. or make sure they have segregated this item to return it to the vendor, we go out to restaurants and um, make sure these items are not sold. Okay. Uh, and it might be confusing for people listening the uh, difference between the county, the state, USDA, FDA. And I know uh, Fairfax County is a little bit unique even within Virginia yep. and their uh, relationship with the state. Maybe you could just kind of explain that to people listening, kind, kind of what the role of VDH is, of Virginia Department of Health, and how they oversee uh, most of the health departments in Virginia. But Fairfax County operates a little bit separately than the rest of the state. Right. The this, uh, VDH is... Um, operates the state as a whole food safety program, but because we have our own lo local ordinance, mm -hmm. we, um, which is stricter than the states, um, we operate um, not outside of the state regulations, but we have our own rules, which are in addition to the state, um, okay. state rules. So w we have several additional rules, so we are stricter than the state <laughs> in, in a couple of different areas. So we are not um, really regulated, I guess, I don't, I don't know how to say the correct word. We, we're regulated by the state, but we work outside of the state. 
Right. Whereas most jurisdictions, almost everywhere else yes. in Virginia, VDH is the primary. Yeah. I think uh, there's Alexandria, city of Alexandria, and maybe Virginia Beach. There's, there's only a, a couple um, counties within the uh, Virginia that don't work directly under VDH. Right. Yeah. Definitely a unique situation here. Um, so one of the things that happens during the summer frequently is uh, during extreme heat or high wind, some of these summer storms will knock out. Uh, knock down trees and, and power lines and mm -hmm. you get these uh, summertime outages whether it's just for a couple hours or sometimes it's 24 or 48 hours uh, what should people be doing if their power goes out and their fridges uh, you know one of the things you've said repeatedly is keep your food temperature uh, keep it cold keep it chilled yeah uh, fridge is obviously the fridge and freezer best way to do that but if, if you don't have access to a fridge or freezer because of a power outage uh, what should people do in that situation? Don't go in and out and in and out and <laughs> in and out and open the door or the fridge or the freezer. So if you have children and, you know, they want to go in the refrigerator, out the refrigerator, in the refrigerator, you're letting the cold air out and the hot air in. Okay. So it, it's best to keep the doors shut and um, get ice. Get a cooler and ice. And if, if they want... Um, drinks or something that um, immediately put it in the cooler and the ice to keep it cold and they can access it that way instead of going in the refrigerator okay. and letting the hot air in and the cold air out. Um, it, it just depends on how long the power outage is, if the food will still be good. Um, the, the best way to know that your, your uh, refrigerator is at the correct temperature, which is 41 degrees or below, mm -hmm. um, is to have a thermometer. Okay. So to have a thermometer in the refrigerator and see after the powder outage what the temperature of the refrigerator is. Okay. You know, um, the freezer, you probably have a better chance of the food staying cold because it's frozen. Um, it's 32 or below. And uh, it probably, it, even if it gets to 41, you can. it's okay to refreeze food um, as long as it doesn't go above 41. Um, so... You know, it's that you have, probably have a better chance if it stays, the power stays out longer. Um, but just d don't have people go in and out and in and out of the refrigerator. Is there a general rule of thumb uh, for a number of hours where you might have to clean out your entire fridge? So let's say your fridge was at 41 degrees and the power was out for two hours versus eight hours. How long can that food stay in a closed refrigerator before you have to really think about you know, <laughs> I, I, everything. I think it, I think it's um, up to the refrigerator, up to the ambient air of the outside of the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. But uh, if it's longer than 24 hours, I take a, a hard look at, at the food, and you, and it not just it's not just the temperature of the refrigerator; it's actually the temperature of the food inside. Right. So then I would, I'd be thinking about replacing some of the food inside of the right. refrigerator. Yeah, and you mentioned mayonnaise is okay, but you mayonnaise know meats are bad. I'm assuming things like milk you should replace yes, pretty quickly. Milk, <laughs> yogurt, um, meats, bean sprouts hmm. are potentially hazardous. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Bean sprouts, alfalfa sprouts are potentially hazardous. Okay. Um, cut melons. Everyone in the summer has you know gets watermelon, gets cantaloupe, and when they cut it open, it becomes. Um, potentially hazardous. Oh, well, there's definitely some things in there I didn't think about. Right, because, you know, I mean, these things grow on the ground. Okay. And there's bacteria, and when you um, cut into the melon, you're taking whatever's on the outside of the melon, 
and bringing it into the center, bringing it into the, the flesh right. inside the melon. So unless you refrigerate that, the bacteria just grow. Right, right. So, and you can't, no matter how much you wash it, you can't wash all the bacteria. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, good. I mean, I think that touches on a lot of the issues regarding food and food safety, especially over the summer. Um, are there any other tips that we should be uh, sharing with our residents listening, listening to this podcast? Just remember to keep your food cold, either at 41 and below. Um, wash your hands <laughs> frequently. Um, yeah, that's, and and most of the, it's amazing that um, when I go to elementary schools, most of the children nowadays are taught, you know, to sing happy birthday twice. or So they know, you know, they know how to wash their hands. So you should wash your hands for at least 20 seconds under um, warm water with soap and then uh, dry your hands with a paper towel mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, let's say you're out somewhere and you don't have soap, you can use hand sanitizer in that case. But hand sanitizer usually is never allowed instead of washing your hands. Oh, that's a very good it, tip. It can be used in addition to washing your hands after you wash your hands, but not instead of. Okay. I know a lot of times when you go to a doctor's office, they'll have the little hand pumps out there. And yeah. I know my kids just spray that on and they say, Dad, my hands are clean. So Yeah. <laughs> no. You should not try okay, to, huh? You should try to wash your hands. Um, it's the, the actual um, washing the hands that alleviates or makes the bacteria leave your hands. The, right. the running water washes the bacteria off your hands. Okay. So... Well, good. Well, I think that's a great tip to end with. And uh, Deborah, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. And You're welcome. Really appreciate the the tips. Um, and that's going to do it for today's edition of the County Conversation. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our guest Deborah Crabtree for joining us. Uh, for more information on Fairfax County news and events, visit www.fairfaxcounty.gov/news. And you may also call seven zero three Fairfax. That's seven zero three three two four seven three two nine weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. The County Conversation is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia Government. Thanks for listening.